Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Lori. And Nikki. Even in jail, Ian is always giving me show prep um, because he's reading the Wall Street Journal. and I guess they'll print a bunch of other people's news articles, too. Um, But he told me about this. I actually got the story from Amnesty Amnesty International's own website, which is amnesty.org. And they do kind of a lot of just, like, human rights um, work, like, all over the United, or, or the, the world, because international. And apparently it says, evidence of Israel's unlawful use of white phosphorus in southern Lebanon um, as cross-border hostilities escalate. So there's evidence that they use something called white phosphorus. Do you guys know what that is? Mm-mm. No, not off the top of my head. I had never heard of it. I mean, I know what phosphorus is. It's like an essential mineral that you need in your body. Right. But, or electrolyte, rather. Right. But apparently white so- phosphorus is something you don't want in your body. And I only heard about it today. And it um, basically, if you even get touched by a little bit of it, you will need, you will start, um, you'll be poisoned to death. I don't know exactly what will start happening. So it's very like, very strong. Mm hmm. Okay. It's um. It says incendiary, which I googled it. it. Just says capable of causing fire. So I guess it's flammable. But this is what they're saying. Israel shot at Lebanon, which I didn't even know they were shooting anything at Lebanon. I thought it was basically just Gaza, and that's pretty interesting to me because it's apparently a war crime. Um. It's this from this article says the Israeli army filed fired artillery shells containing white phosphorus, an incendiary weapon, in military operations along Lebanon's southern border between 10 and and 16 October, the 10th and 16th of this year, Amnesty International said today. One attack on the town of Daria, or Daira, on the 16th of October must be investigated as a war crime, because it was an indiscriminate attack that injured at least nine civilians and damaged civilian objects and was therefore unlawful, said the organization. And so I guess an indiscriminate attack just means like they weren't going for a specific um, target that was people who were involved in the war. They're just shooting them off wherever. Yep. And if you if nine civilians are injured, I'm pretty sure that means that they're going to die. Like they will get poisoned until they die. That's what it seems like. It seems because I looked it up, too, and it seems like um, if you're exposed to it, either like on your skin or if you inhale it, because when they when it like ignites, there's a lot of smoke that's created. So if you inhale that, it seems like it's extremely toxic. And I I don't know if it's fatal, but you'll definitely be poisoned by it. You know? Yep. It says cross border hostilities in southern Lebanon have escalated significantly since October 7th, which was when Gaza attacked Israel. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Israeli shelling in Lebanon has killed at least four civilians and 48 Hezbollah members so far. I I just had no idea they were attacking Lebanon. Like, in my understanding of Lebanon, I just don't think of them as one of the people who are, like, constantly at war with Israel. Oh, they are. Hmm. Well, I, I don't know about Israel, but um, I had my, one of my really close friends growing up was from Lebanon. Hmm. And actually, um, probably when I was maybe in sixth grade, they moved back to Lebanon. Hmm. Wow. Um, and she, her and her brother ended up going to college and like Canada and other places, but her family still lives there now. And I think she might, 
I don't know if she's still in Canada, but she might be in um, Lebanon. But that was a thing like, you know, we were always like very concerned about her and her family because like we would hear about like war, like them. There's just a lot of unrest in all of the Middle East, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like even if they're not directly at war with somebody, like they are still like close enough for it to be unsettling. Hmm. I just know they're one of the ones where like, oh, you could go there and wear regular clothes and yeah. they won't kill you. Yeah, it's a little thing. bit more progressive. Unlike what Alu was telling me today. Alu, um, he, he's a caller to the show and uh, he's going to call in about it so at some point. So I'm not going like, to give away his whole call, but he has some opinions on the Israel stuff that we've been talking about. And he was telling me yeah, everyone in Gaza is just bad people, basically, like they're all they're all really bad, and I've been there, and if you went there wearing what you normally wear, they would kill you, unlike if you went to Israel. Maybe some might be offended, but they wouldn't kill you, and I don't know. So, yeah, just, like, cultural differences. Yeah, so yeah. Gaza is just much, much different in from what I've heard than Lebanon. Like, um, I read this story about a girl who was from Lebanon, and she loved America. She had been to America mm-hmm. many times, and she wanted to go to this place in Michigan where a lot of Muslims live now. And I forget what it's called right now, but it's known for having like a large pocket of Lebanese people, but also like just a lot of different Muslims from all over the world. And she went there and she said that they were stricter with her telling her to put clothes on. Really? Then they are in Lebanon. So she went back. If you were that person, you were equally as in danger. Like yeah. you, you think if you were hiding Jewish people in your in your house in Germany or Poland in World War Two, you were also going to that concentration camp. Yep. Because you're a traitor now. So like you're not sticking with the like the rest of the group. You're not sticking with the narrative. So you can't be trusted anymore. So you gotta go. So yep. it was a very dangerous typically it's very dangerous to be the opposition, as we should know here. It's, oh, it's tribalism. The yeah. only reason that it's so dangerous too is ultimately because of people who believe that they have the authority to have all the weapons and take them from the average people, like the Germans were disarmed right before yeah. crazy stuff started happening. And um, so, you know, they're, these people are living under governments. They're told what to do. Some of them have kings still, like in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think that all of human society would have progressed so much more, would have been you know, past believing like, oh, well, my God told me I get this land and therefore I'm going to kill you for being here. They would have all been, all those people over there, it would be so much better off without governments. Um, Obviously, a lot of people just end up creating their own governments. But as far as I know, from what I've heard, Hamas was also actually created by a government, Israel. And then they end up, you know, however many years later, I don't, I think it was like 50 years later or something. Maybe not 50, but many years later, they end up attacking Israel. So, but the thing is, they wouldn't have existed without Israel. So, it's just like the CIA goes and creates all kinds of terrorists. Yeah, or I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I mean, apparently, Osama bin Laden worked with the CIA before he, you know, did everything he did that we know him for. Oh, that's kind of how any governing organization works. They have to create you know, an opposition to keep people... Yeah, to keep yep. their power, right? To keep their power, keep people scared, keep people um, following orders. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how the church worked. The The devil wasn't the big scary devil a long time ago. He was like a trickster. Mm. But the Catholic church was like, well, we need something scary so that people yeah. listen to the rules. So let's create the devil. Well, and that's yep. a great point because like, 
hell isn't even mentioned in the Bible, right? Or like if it, if it is like very briefly, it's not described but in, like like it is in modern in religion. Yeah, I mean it ideas. is described to the detail. I remember. Um, reading a children's version of the Bible where they were like short stories, right? And they were talking about hell and there were very like terrifying detail. It was like a horror movie. Like these little flying demons fly around and they zap you. And it was talking about all the sorts of torture in a children's book. That's so bad. And it's like that stuff wasn't even the Bible. Like where do you guys get this stuff from? You just made all this up to scare children? Yes. (laughs) Like, yeah, exactly. It's awful. (laughs) It's terrible. Yeah, I I hate that story. I've told that a lot. Uh, I didn't read a children's book about this, but my mom was really into people who believed that they like went to heaven and all all this stuff when I was a kid. So she would read all these stories and she believed for a little while. And then she ended up being like, oh, well, another preacher that I read said that that was a deception. But she believed for a little while that there was this story where this lady went to hell to like see it. And Jesus was there like keeping her safe, but was showing her around and she saw like Marilyn Monroe and they're burning and being tortured, oh, which made me sad. And also um, Michael Jackson. And she saw a little boy in there and Jesus told her what had happened was the little boy had just disobeyed his parents. And then he ran out in the road and got hit by a car and he was like 10 and he was in there being tortured. And oh, burning. that's convenient. Right. So if you disobey your parents like that is a great way to create yeah. obedient little children. Right. And then me and my mom were just like, that's really terrible. Like, I wish I didn't hear that. Like, I don't want to think about children who don't know any better, disobeying their parents, running out to the street, getting hit by a car and ending up in hell. But then later, like another prophet person that she liked to listen to said, yeah, God came to me and told me that was a deception that was shown to the other prophet lady. But you shouldn't think badly of that person. It was just a mistake. Like it. It really should be that it's it's so weird, right? So it's like, okay, well, I should trust you and not her. Yeah. Like, why do you have the authority? So God told you the truth, the but Bible not her. Like, that's so confusing. The Bible literally talks about what's the word? Sorry, um, false prophets. So yeah, it should well, be wouldn't like that be one those time. right people? You should only get one chance, and then you're a false prophet. I don't that's think my so. I had, that's one of the things I had a problem with as a kid was hmm. um, I was raised Catholic, and the whole original sin thing like if you're not um baptized then you go to hell dr haytham neeser an uh, emergency doctor at the lebanese italian hospital told amnesty international that on the 16th and 17th of october medical teams treated nine people from the towns of daira yarin and marwan who were suffering from shortness of breath and coughing which he said was due to inhaling white phosphorus most patients were discharged from the hospital the same day. Okay, so it's not that if you breathe it at all, you die. Ian seemed to be of that. Um, he seemed to believe that if you got it on you at all, you definitely would die. But it's still pretty bad, I guess. And that's why it's a war crime to use it on civilians. It says the regional director of the Lebanese civil, er, civil defense, Ali Safadin, who facilitated the transfer of injured civilians to the hospital on the 16th of October and the subsequent evacuation of the town on the 17th of October, told Amnesty International that the civil defense received calls for help from residents who reported bombs that are producing extremely bad odor and causing suffocation once inhaled. Four members of our staff, as well as a number of people living in Da'ira were admitted to a hospital for suffocation in the past few days. We were not able to even see our own hands 
due to the heavy white smoke that covered the town all night long and lasted till this morning, the 17th of October, Ali Safadin told Amnesty International. The description is consistent with white phosphorus, which produces a dense white smoke and a garlic-like odor. So, yeah, that's what it's like to get hit by white phosphorus. It smells like um, burning garlic, I think they said. Um, No, just a garlic-like odor, and it produces such a dense smoke that you can't see your hands in front of you. It causes suffocation. That's just absolutely terrible. It also caught a bunch of people's cars on fire and burnt places to the ground, and um, that's just absolutely terrible. It says the size, the amount that's just the size of a fist can, um, oh wait, never mind. I don't know what that means. It says that reignite when exposed to air. I don't know what that means. Um, so yeah, just wanted to bring that up. Ian wanted me to talk about it, and I think it's pretty important to hear about what's going on over there. It's not something I like reading about or hearing about. Like, I'm never really that interested in talking about war, but there are people that are getting, like Nikki said, so interested in just looking at one side of this, and I don't think that's a good way to be. Um, Just because it has something to do with their religion, like the Christian Bible even says that those who support Israel will be blessed and those who don't will yeah. be cursed. But, I mean, it doesn't even mean the the country, because obviously the country yes. didn't exist. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've heard that point made that, like, this isn't the authentic Israel. Right. This is a man-made Israel. Um, and, and like you said... Uh, last segment, like some of their, you know, the the biblical historical structures are there. So you could assume that that might be the area. Um, but how do we know that this Israel that was created by other governments to essentially put displaced people? How do we know that that is actually like that governing organization is the authentic Israel? Uh, we really don't know. Yeah. Um, and people have even called into this show and said, Oh, don't don't worry about this war. This is a holy war and oh it's good. Yeah, we had one guy call it like this was when like it Damn. first popped off. This guy was like, No, it's okay. Just keep praying. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, uh no. People are dying. But that's how a lot of people think. They're like, Well, no, it's cool. We just have to sacrifice all these people for the second coming. Yeah. And terrible. it seems like a lot of people are trying to expedite that process. They're like They'll do anything for Jesus to come back. And I'm like, but that means creating like, you know, the apocalypse, right? Like you guys want the apocalypse to happen. Like, and it seems like they do. Like, it seems like the powers that be, like, it seems like all these government people, they want, I mean, because everything they do, like starvation, disease, like it seems like they're breeding all of these atrocities, there are a lot of religious people who want to die. Like they want, they can kill themselves. The apo- son, they can't, right? Because then they won't go to heaven. Oh, right. Yeah, that's one of so, the. But rules. they want the apocalypse to come, and they want they want somebody else. You know, to they kill want them. to go to heaven because it sounds so great, and maybe their lives here aren't so great. Yeah. Right. Energy is definitely a real thing. Have you ever met somebody and you're like, oh, their energy is yeah. really yes. bad, and then you come to find out yeah. they're a terrible person? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, usually. Ding, ding, ding. Usually right. That's what intuition is. Usually is just feeling all of that energy around you. Yeah. In the situation. It's not magic. I had had some friends who were identical twins in sixth grade. 
And she told me, well, I was like more friends with one of them and we would eat lunch every day. Um, they're like separated. It was not it was not right. Like we were in the same room, but the twins were separated because they're in different classes. But anyway, so I was talking to one of them and she told me when they were kids, she didn't remember it. But their parents always told them the story where they were getting shots like um, vaccines mm-hmm. and they were doing it one by one. And when her sister was getting the shot, she was crying and rubbing her like yeah, arm or whatever because it was. they're connected. Yeah. And she could feel it. She was saying that it hurt exactly where her sister, her twin yeah. sister was getting yeah, um, if, if we're all recycled shot. energy, think twins are at the same time. I that's mean, yeah, they in. share DNA. Yeah. I mean, that's like crazy. Right, at the <laughs> same time, that energy is splitting in half. So mm-hmm. basically, you're two parts of a whole energy field when it when it happens. Because, you know, there's not an electrical impulse in the egg itself yeah. or the sperm itself. But once they become a zygote, the spark of life. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with these girls, but they're conjoined twins. Uh, I wish I remembered their are names. They Brittany and something else. Yes, Brittany. Yeah. Brittany and some. Yes, I don't remember. Their um, so yeah, they. So essentially, they share a body. Um, so they share all of their organs from the waist down. I think like the reproductive system down. Essentially, um, mm. like I, I think it starts at like the the large intestine is where they like only have one, but then from like small intestine up. They have two of everything. So and that's the reason why they're able to be conjoined and like not die hmm. because they have two hearts, two lungs. And those are like obviously the most important systems. They have, you know, whatever, two livers probably. Um, but watching their videos is absolutely fascinating because when they speak, they complete just so effortlessly hmm. complete. Like one will be talking and then the other one will just they go back and forth to finish a sentence and it's almost like they have two brains, right? They're yeah. they're two separate people, pretty much. But they are so used to. I mean, they obviously share DNA. They're like basically kind of one person, but not really. Um, but they not only do they like share DNA and they're so connected, but they have lived their life together every single moment of right. every single day, even when they're sleeping. They are physically connected. So that has just created such a strong bond between them that they know exactly what the other person is going to say. And it is just like, because I'm like, and it took me a while. It's, it's so flawless the way they do it. It took me a while to even notice it. And then I was like, wow, they, they do that a lot. And you would think like the other person would be annoyed, like, oh, you're interrupting me. You're finishing my sentence. But it's just like, that is how they exist on a day-to-day basis. And it was just absolutely fascinating to see and it really kind of just draws to the point of the connectedness of twins and like what it means to like share a dna you know right they are really fascinating i first heard about them on like a tlc show when i was a kid and then i always, yeah. I always see them around because they're like the only ones i think they're the only qu- conjoined twins that have that exact setup yes yeah well ones. normally i think a lot of conjoined twins share like either lungs or heart like when they're conjoined in that way um and they die very shortly after childbirth Hmm. because they i mean for that much body mass for like all the organs you need two hearts and you need two sets of lungs like they won't be able to survive especially if they have two brains i mean you if you if you have two brains like you at least need two hearts yeah like you can't in two sets of lungs like that's really important to even like be able to survive um so i think that was the only reason why they they survived hmm. well yeah i i believe in all that stuff that i 
one thing that made me feel a lot better about believing that we're all one, because sometimes I think about people I really don't like, and yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to feel like I'm one with them. I don't want to go into heaven and I just jump into some big ball of energy and I'm literally attached to them. I don't want to do that. But one thing that made me feel a little better is this idea, and I'm not saying like I now subscribe to this idea, but it's a nice idea. Um, there was this guy named Emmanuel... Swedenborg and I really like learning about his experiences he lived in the 1700s and he had like a great job he was a nobleman he was really rich and he was like a genius but he quit all that just to start writing these books these huge books of basically experiences he started having in his 30s he started seeing dead people and stuff like that and then he got to talk to a lot of them about what it was like on their side where they were and basically the way that they describe being all one is they were all one but basically the people that are most like you, the people that share the same loves and feelings and the people that you, you are your people that you get along with are all basically achieving the same type of thing in heaven. And they basically are the idea is like you and that group of people, you don't have to hang out with the feet because you're the lungs. You're doing your mm. job in this huge, you basically create this huge person that is God. And I love that idea. That's pretty cool. John in Nebraska. What's on your mind, John? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, Y'all were talking about the afterlife and electricity. And uh, I kind of, you know, I kind of want to agree with that. I don't necessarily believe that there is an afterlife. But if there was, I would think that our consciousness is, maybe built up of some sort of energy and our body has a like, you know, it's, there's electricity there. So I don't know what happens to energy. I don't think, uh, I don't know. I kind of wonder if, you know, electricity just kind of just goes to the ground. I just kind of don't know, you know, if like our consciousness could somehow survive, but I suppose there's plenty of, plenty of theories on that. But as far as uh, surveillance goes, um, I've been thinking a lot about this, you know, not, there's no, there's been no better time. Like I, I got rid of my phone for like two years. And I felt so good. Like there was people, you know, I didn't have to call anybody and nobody was really calling me. And, you know, my job pretty much stayed the same. It was pretty easy. I didn't have to use an email or a phone or nothing for my job. But, uh, mm. you know, I just, I really enjoyed that. And like, um, I feel like the government just wants everybody to have a phone, wants everybody to be on a social media site, wants to be able to monitor everybody in every way, shape or form. But I kind of also feel like private corporations are doing the jobs for the government, you know, like, I think that they're collecting all this information, you know, like when you go to yep. the doctor or, you know, you get you some healthcare or wh wherever it is, you know, even go, even you go get a, like a haircut, like you, you, a lot of people have to schedule an appointment online. You know, I kind of like the place where you go, you just walk in and just go get a haircut. Mm -hmm. But um, Dang, that's when I haven't really just, thought about. Oh yeah. yeah it's, it's a bunch of weird, little like, stuff like that. I mm -hmm. mean, you really can't do anything without an email and a phone number and, you know, like you need to provide all of this personal information almost for anything you do. Like, I, I feel like everybody's asking for your address and it's like, why do you even need to know my address? You know what I mean? Or my phone number. It's like for everything. It feels like. Yeah. 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 That's that's the thing that kind of bugs me. Yeah, you know, you go uh, say to like a bookstore. They, yeah. They want your email address and your phone number. Well, you know, somebody who works there might have a problem with you. But you may have never met them, but all of a sudden they type your name into the system and they, you know, they find out everything about you. Hmm. Um, yeah, or some, depending on where you work, not just a bookstore anywhere. But um, I guess, yeah, I was just, I was just kind of wondering, um, I know a little bit, a little bit of the stories with the FBI and the, the harassment and stuff uh, and the, 
court case and all that stuff. Probably can't talk too much about that. But I was just wondering if if, if uh, y'all ever thought that maybe you know uh, you were being surveilled. Well, or, well we know that, we were. Being, <laughs> they they yeah, admitted well, to that. That was part of the discovery. I think it's called. Yeah, they had. Yeah, a they camera. were surveilling our house. They yeah, twenty four hour a day for multiple months. Yeah, camera outside of our house. They had like stuff written in discovery that was like. Red Subaru, this uh, license plate yep. from like when I first met Ian and visited. Yep. Yeah, and um, even during the Kate, like well, um, the the trial was going on. We were obviously still here doing the show seven days a week at that point. Um, and we would say stuff on the show, and they were using recorded snippets mm-hmm. from things that Ian or Aria was saying on the show, and they would like use it in court the next day. So they were like, well, we knew they were listening to the show. And then, yeah, in the discovery, they were saying that they were surveilling the house. Did Did you ever feel like maybe somehow they got inside the house and maybe put a recording device? Or no. I know that Sam, Samsung puts like um, microphones inside their TVs and stuff like, you know, there's appliances that have that. You think that they were ever. I don't think any of us use a- those types of appliances. I mean, OK, we have iPhones, but they have not done anything like try to get so- iPhone to <laughs> give my text they just took my phone i'm gonna be honest with you i am like a really paranoid person and i and i know my phone's listening to me right now i always assume i'm being surveilled so and i i try you know i i don't let it like disrupt my life or anything but you know i sir i'm i'm kind of careful what i say you know what i mean like i kind of just like always assume that somebody is listening so i i'm i'm careful with what i like text people and what I say and and stuff like that but I've never really like in this house specifically I've never really felt like there was a bug or anything yeah. like that or because I thought that like right after the raid right um obviously they tore through the whole house um they unplugged a bunch of equipment in here and I, and I thought about that I was like I'm sure they put some recording device in here or something like that um but I don't think so what's on your mind Ridley of RidleyReport.com yeah. Ridley in New Hampshire. Uh, okay, so um, <clears throat> the in-depth NH uh, is uh, a media outlet that is uh, focused some attention on a cover-up lately that I wanted to talk about. If something's covered up in the government, that's that's a good indication we should be talking about it, right? Um, so I guess it's state rep John Stone, a Republican of Claremont, is trying to keep his police discipline record secret. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, in-depth in a, a reporter from in-depth in H uh, filed a right to no request three years ago. And uh, I guess the union leader and the New Hampshire civil liberties union have now joined in to try and find out why this is supposed to be so secret. And the, the Supreme court of New Hampshire is about to hear the case. Is there any guess on what's in his record? They do seem to do a little bit of, vague speculate it's not speculating on the in-depth nh article it's uh they they do go into it a little bit but i'm i i do not want to libel the guy yeah, yeah. So if i were to try and paraphrase what they're saying i don't understand what they're saying well enough to be able to properly paraphrase it for you i've got the article in front of me um and i remember the part the, the part that you're looking for uh, so according, the article says, quote, according to records obtained through the 5th District Court, District Division in Claremont, Stone was subject to domestic, a domestic violence protection order filed by a Claremont woman in September of 2006. The order was withdrawn to two weeks later. 
Um, so he got, got the protection against her, not the other way around. He was sub. It says, "quote He was Stone." "Quote Stone was subject to a domestic violence protection order." "Quote What that means is somebody was trying to keep him away." Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not sure that's the part that's even being covered up, though. So hmm. uh, it's, it's definitely, just, you, know, you know, someone in the government. Why do we even have to, isn't sh- that just supposed to be, like, shouldn't that, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I agree that somebody in the government should have to disclose things like that. Not, I don't believe it about everyone. It's like we were saying, um, I believe in privacy. But if you want to rule over me, then you should be able to be open and transparent, which is what the New Hampshire Constitution says all government workers should be. Well, I mean, the, the 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 guy's police record should look like the Shire forums, right? It should look like forum.shiresociety.com, where everybody on the internet can see every word, basically. Hmm. Um, and that's how a police report or a police record should look for a police officer, because they work for they're forcing you to pay their salaries. He's a police of officer. Be able to, he he was a police officer, oh. but he was dismissed from a police department in. This is a quote, quote, Stone was fired from the Claremont Department in 2006 under circumstances that were never made public, unquote. Wow. In that case, then I definitely want to know, because most likely if you're getting actually fired from a place, you're probably like beating your wife, beating your girlfriend or something like that. I'm not saying this guy was, and I'm not saying I know that, but it's probably something that bad. I mean, though, yeah, those things are usually allowed, so it might be worse. Yeah. (laughs) Well, actually, actually, my theory is they only fire you for doing the right thing in the Uh, police department. That actually, you know, that you might be onto something with that. But there are plenty of um, stories about people who get, it's not like that big of a deal. They get fired from being a police officer from one spot because they were a sexual assaulter. Yeah, and then they they go somewhere else. They get another job somewhere else as a police officer, like in the next county. So, I don't know. Um, Is that all you had about that in-depth NH article, Ridley? That is all. It's in-depth NH.org. Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So, I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin... Visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. We have David Hathaway in Arizona. David, what's on your mind? Yeah, good evening, uh, Bonnie, Lori, and Nikki. Yeah, you a few days ago, Bonnie, had mentioned you were interested in paranormal things. And I was going to talk about a couple of those. But first, I wanted to mention out here where I live, um, Tucson is just an hour away. And they are now training Ukrainian pilots to fly uh, American F-16s at the military, the Air Force Base in Tucson. So this is obviously a prelude uh, for U.S. fighter planes being piloted by Ukrainian pilots to go fight Russians. So I don't know. I just I hear that, and I just think how crazy it is that uh, we're we're now training Ukraine foreign pilots to fight Russians in U.S. fighter planes. That's terrible. But anyway, that was the first first so, thing I was going to say. Um, yeah. Can I ask? Sorry, is this really um, the first time that this would happen? Because I thought that the United States was already giving Ukraine. Um, 
planes, or is this is this just new because this is the first time that the U.S. would be training them specifically to use them, or is this plane a bigger and badder plane that we haven't given to Ukraine yet? Well, you know, from my understanding, there've been they've beefed up the other NATO nations around Ukraine, provided mm-hmm. more aviation support, but this is. Um, the uh, it's a single seat uh, fighter plane F F sixteen. It can you know can either drop bombs or you know it has machine guns on it. It is a fighter plane, but it can also be out outfitted as a bomber. But it, it is a single seat, not like an F fourteen or F fifteen that are actually you know like a front and a back seat. Hmm. But from my understanding, this will be the first time that the U.S. is directly providing. Uh, fighter planes to Ukraine, but I, I oh, could okay. be wrong about that. I, I could be wrong, too. I, I just knew that we'd given them some kind of, well, definitely money, and I thought that we gave them, or not we, but the United States gave them um, planes, but I could be wrong about that. So, I don't know. I just wanted to know. And at that Air Force Base in Tucson, they also trained um, Afghani uh fighter pilots and to fly American F-16 fighter planes too. It's just kind of that particular base hmm. specializes on F-16s uh, through the Arizona Air National Guard. So it's kind of become a training site for foreign pilots on wars that the U.S. has is supporting. So it's a big deal in the news out here, but it's hmm. probably not at the national level. Well, that's pretty creepy. I mean, I wish hmm. that they would just let it let the conflict like die, go away, but they're yeah. helping it continue. Yeah. And the other thing I want to talk about, you mentioned an interest in the paranormal. Um, and of course, I'm, I'm an elected sheriff out here and there is a jail that's part of the sheriff's office. And I've heard this from numer- numerous officers in the sheriff's office that um, we have what's called a rubber room. Mm-hmm. It's like a cell that has a rubber floor, rubber ceiling, rubber walls, and there's nothing else in there except a drain in the middle of the floor. And I've heard officers say that on the graveyard shift, they hear screaming from that cell and banging yeah. on the walls, and they'll go check, and there's nobody in there. Yeah. So uh, I've heard that from multiple officers, and uh, they swear that it's true, you know, that uh, they'll think, wow, I, I didn't know somebody was in there, and they'll go there's a there's a flap that you open to see who's in the room to check on them. It's like, say that there's an inmate that's banging their head against the wall yep. and trying to harm themselves. They'll put them in that rubber, rubber room. But anyway, I've heard that from numerous people, and they're not joking. They say, especially like on the midnight, the graveyard shift, they'll hear the screaming and weird sounds and banging on the walls, and they go check, not thinking that anybody was was in there, and then there is nobody in there, but they still hear the sound. Yeah, I've worked uh, graveyard so shift at like different hospitals, nursing homes, and different like healthcare facilities, and a lot of like other nurses and like other staff will have some like really creepy stories in hotels too. I've, I've had oh, so I'm many... sure. I haven't had anything that was really unexplainable. Just like terrible feelings, like. I got to get out like of Like a room. feeling of dread or like, yeah. oh, somebody's watching me, something like that. But um, so many housekeepers, that they wouldn't be there at night, but they would be in rooms alone, have had weird things like, you know, things shut, doors shut and stuff mm-hmm. like that that shouldn't have shut, you know, little things like that. Nothing crazy, but I, I feel like there's a lot of residual energy in places like that. Like, think about the terrible state of mind people have been in in this rubber room he's talking about. Yeah. Oh, and same with nursing homes? Yep. 
it's possible that our brains used to be able to sense more things like in the spiritual realm than well we when you think about it more. like think about how it was like 500 or more years ago before we had all this technology and stuff like that and before we were so focused on working and making money and you know all of these tasks and are your board go watch tv or your board mm-hmm. go read a book before all of that what were people doing i mean like yeah like it was making a meal and hunting and gardening like all of those things took the majority of our time but those people were so much more connected to nature to their surroundings uh, and maybe to other things as well that we don't know about um, to other entities to spirit to to whatever you want to call it um because they weren't so distracted by mm-hmm. everything we like nowadays, like you're bored, like you literally go watch a Look movie or yeah, like you That's go, there's always something to do and people don't allow themselves to be bored anymore. Right. Like mm-hmm. maybe being bored is a good thing because if you have absolutely nothing to do, you can just sit there and you can connect to well, whatever is there to connect to. Or maybe, you know, like, um, you know how people talk about like downloads or your intuition or connecting to source, connecting to spirit, connecting to God. I think when you're in those places of stillness, nowadays we call it meditation, right? Hmm. But I'm sure people, you know, before, you know, like thousands of years ago, this was their existence, right? Like this was, you know, they did this quite a lot where you're just sitting there doing nothing. Waiting for a deer um, to walk by. Yeah, or, or just like looking off into the horizon, like whatever Buffalo. you're doing, you didn't have anything to do. So you would just relax, rest. Um but now we have a name for it. Right now we call it meditation, but that used to just be something that people did. Or mindfulness. Um, yeah, Self-care. Like that's, right. <laughs> like that's when you would receive like ideas, right? Oh, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Like that is when people received that sort of information. Um and and we definitely people don't even have time to do that nowadays. So right. your brain can only pay attention to so many things at once. Yeah. That's why sometimes you'll see something out of the corner of your eye because your brain's filling in that information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think about that too, we constantly have lights and mm-hmm. objects and TVs, monitors and sounds and just constant input. And so even if there was something subtle, maybe you just can't yeah. pay attention to it anymore right? Yeah. because there's so much input that your brain's like, I can't with that. Yeah. And that maybe that's another reason, like we always talk about babies and young children being closer to the veil and that's why maybe you know, young children have more paranormal experiences Hmm. Um, and and same with animals. Right. But maybe that's because they don't have as much input. So you just leave the baby, you know, in the crib or whatever. And they're just like staring, like looking around. And they haven't been taught. They haven't learned. Exactly. They don't know that it's not real yet. Right. Normal. Yeah, exactly. So like maybe that's another reason why young children have those experiences is because, you know, unless you have some people like I'm sure have all the fancy baby toys yeah. and oh we're gonna put the tablet on for the two-year-old to go to sleep like things that are totally unnecessary but for normal people who don't do that to their children and just have their children existing uh, looking around at things i'm sure they are so much more open to receiving stuff like that because they don't have all of the constant input that adults do hmm. yep i definitely uh see that to be a possibility I, I haven't had any of those where I just see something in the corner of my eye or even really any um, like ghost thing appearing in my house at all. But my mom and my grandma and my brother all have a lot, not, not just in the corner of their eyes, like that has definitely happened. But my mom has seen with her eyes open, wide awake, like really creepy things. Like I, I keep feeling bad, like it's, like I said, not my story to tell. But since she told me, I, 
I'm just going to say, she she said before, the one that scared me more than anything else, I, I don't know why she told me that she saw this as a kid, but I guess she just wanted to tell someone. But she saw this woman standing in her doorway that looked like she had been underwater for like a really long time and was dead and decaying, just staring at her. When she, my dad woke up to go take a shower to get ready for work, uh, woke her up and she like felt like she was being watched and she looked out. That's horrifying. That's terrifying. And that's the thing too, like, I don't want to see any of this right. stuff. Like, exactly. I don't want these experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already kind of like, it's easy for me to get kind of spooked and scared. Like, if I'm watching something creepy on my phone, and especially if it's nighttime, I'll forget about it. Then I will be, like, creeped out. I, somebody even told me a story at work about, like, oh, yeah, there's a ghost here. And at first, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm not really afraid of that, or I, and I believe you, whatever. Um, but for, like, weeks after, I would, like... It, it it did like have like a residual creepy effect for me where mm. like I would, you know, see a reflection on a window or something and get scared or spooked or, you know, so I, I don't really want to wake up and see somebody in my door. Like, I don't right. want to see any of that. I don't I don't want to see it. Yeah. Hi, my name is Ross. I'm calling from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. OK. And what did you have on your mind tonight to share with us, Ross? Well, First and foremost, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. I love you guys. I listen nightly. Um, In terms of what you're talking about, in terms of supernatural experiences, working in, like, long-term care facilities and or hospitals, Hmm. I can weigh in on this, uh, especially in the spirit of what was now past Halloween. But, um, yeah, I work in one of the uh, oldest – the site of the second oldest hospital – in the United States. Um, oh, that's actually really yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, the original building still exists, and it was the almshouse of Lancaster County, and it was built in 1799. Oh, I want to look wow. that up. What is it? How, yeah, what, how do you wild. spell the almshouse? Yeah, alms, A-L-M-S. Hmm. It was the, uh, the poorhouse, okay. basically, for the entire county. And rumor has it, it was first and foremost built upon, like, a native burial ground, which is kind of creepy in and of itself but then over the years it became also a potter's field like nameless people the the crazies and whatnot would be entered into there and when they died they would just kind of like put them in uh unmarked graves yeah so what happened was in 1968 they decided to modernize the facility and they built a much larger building which is like eight stories high Wow. Um, adjacent to the existing structure, which still stands, and it's in beautiful shape. Uh, so recent events, they started doing some renovations on the eighth floor, which would be the apex of the building. That's huge. And eight floors. I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for 16 years, and there are some creepy energies, like, you know, vibing around the place. The county morgue is in the basement, what mm-hmm. used to be the county morgue. So, like, the coroner's office used to be down there as well. So this place is, like, full of weird energy. Yeah. So what they're reporting on the eighth floor of this building, some of my fellow nurses have come down from night shift and questioned other night shift nurses, and they're like, uh, yeah, you got stories? So there's this male entity that's been, like, creeping around the eighth floor since the renovation started, and we have alert and oriented residents reporting seeing this guy mm-hmm. always at night, always in the dark room. And the one guy was just like, 
leaning over to put his prosthesis on to get himself to the bathroom, hmm. all of a sudden this male figure appears out of nowhere, kind of shadowy, and it's just like, bad idea. Literally put his hands on the patient's shoulder and no kind of pushed way. him back into bed and said, ring for help. Whoa. What? He touched him? Because normally yeah, you don't hear the, the about guy, like guy, entities touching He said people. there was actual physical contact. Wow. He was wow. like, okay, so this gets creepier. Oh, that's then dark. There was this woman. Yeah, it's pretty wild. There was this woman who just woke up and she's in a, these are four bed rooms and her room was pretty much vacant except for her. Mm-hmm. She woke up in the middle of the night and there was just a dude sitting there on one of the adjacent beds, like cross-legged, just sitting there and he goes, this used to be a male occupancy only room. When did they change it to female? And she just kind of went back to sleep. Like, Whoa. and then there was another guy who was helping himself to the bathroom and a, the same figure came in and kind of helped him out and then turned on his call light so another staff member could come in. Wait, wait, wait. So, so I just want to make sure I, I understand what you said. You said that the entity helped him to the bathroom? It, the, the shadowy figure observed him, kind of like um, walked with him. So okay, but sure kind, of like, kind of like a nurse would, right? Like, oh, I'm walking with you, exactly. like helping you to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. weird. Maybe he used to be a nurse so, there. Yeah, this is the fun thing. Oh. Because the creepy part of it, it, this has been going on for weeks. These stories keep happening. And the one uh, night shift nurse had all these interesting complaints from these three residents that were working up there, all of whom are alert and oriented. And they all described the same uh, experience. Mm -hmm. And um, they they asked her, like, who, who is the guy, like, on staff that night? And she looked at the staffing roster. There were no male staff on duty that night. Wow. I bet he used kind to be of nurse. Wild. Yeah, that's really weird. I mean, it could be anything, right? But you usually don't hear about entities like making physical contact with usually people. Usually they're like, and that's bad. Why like it's... they scratch people. That was the do. wild thing. Yeah. yeah it's just like they all described these similar things. Like it was a guy and he was like probably neither young nor old it's just interesting yeah so yeah i mean i think on some level like energy just lingers in these buildings especially in one that's that old because like Mm -hmm. over if you consider that the site built on what it was since 1799 and i've been there for 16 years I've seen hundreds of people die. So they they gotta haunt the walls. It's kind of crazy. Sarah in New Mexico, you're back. Uh, Sarah, what's on your mind? You know, they finally put the city councilors, all that's running, like, um, on the TV. And then we only have, like, four days of voting left. It's the most stupidest thing that they have done. I thought you can't vote for them, right? No, I, I, no, I cannot. Yeah, you're the uh, odd numbers or even numbers or whatever right. it was. But I've seen three candidates. It's kind of interesting. I've seen three candidates to District 2 last night. And I found, and I saw two of them to District 8. And um, this is the first time that, that they put the city councilors on the TV news ever. Maybe more people have uh, an internet like to find these things out now. Well, that's what, but they're actually on the television news that you're supposed to. They're supposed to do your own research. They they tell you to go to this website, but I guess people wanted them 
they they wanted them to see on TV. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they finally got they finally got put them on. Then we only have like four days left to vote or something. So do you have so a to... theory? Like, is this like a conspiracy? Like, are they trying to keep people from knowing the city council candidates? Well, I'm just I'm just happy that they have any kind of city councilors on at all. I've lived here for 23 years. They've never had city councilors uh, talk about their what they want to do on TV at all. So I'm just really happy that they started to do that because they always say, oh, it's only four seats for uh, politicians. You go look it up yourself on the Internet. You go find out who they are, you know. But I just think that I think, I mean, I was standing in a, I think my uh, running around like a crazy person with a, Two four three vote sign has helped to, helped to fuel this. You know, a lot of people are interested. Hmm. Well, I'm glad you're excited, uh, Sarah. And it seems like there's lots of things that happen that Sarah believes were because of her. Like all, all this <laughs> yeah. time, it was all because she was carrying this sign or whatever it is. But maybe she's right. It, I mean, I would look stupid if she's right. And it, <laughs> like, af- and in our afterlife, God comes and reveals to me that Sarah, Sarah was in New Mexico, was right about everything. Right about everything. <laughs> so who am I to say? But um, yeah, I don't have much to say about that topic that she brought in. Um, she has, um, <laughs> she has her city council. I honestly like news. Can't okay. even express how much I don't care. I know. About I, that. I hate to say it, but I'm happy that Sarah's happy. Yeah. Um, that she's. I'm happy for her. I guess. The UN wanting to get 50 countries in five years to join their surveillance state um, ramp up. Basically. And so one thing that Lori was telling us before the break was that they want people to get in on this digital um, ID thing. But before we get into that, I would like to thank Brian, who's a um, silver level amplifier. And if you don't know what an amplifier is, that's someone who helps amplify market and promote and support um, the show. So if you would like to learn more about that, it's AMPS Amplifier market uh, promote and support amps.freetalklive.com is where you can go to find out more that's amps.freetalklive.com and thank you so much to brian um who's a silver level amplifier that means that he gives five dollars a month and you get some different perks um for becoming an amplifier and you can learn more about that at amps.freetalklive.com but with you in the studio tonight it's me bonnie Lori, and nikki and Lori was telling us more about this digital ID idea. Uh, again, this is sociable.co. So they go on to say the 50 and 5 campaign is a collaboration between the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the United Nations Development Program, the Digital Public Goods Alliance, and CoDevelop. CoDevelop was founded by the Rockefeller Foundation, hmm. the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Nalkani Philanthropies, and the Omidar Network. Hmm. I only know the first two. Me too. Um, The Digital Public Goods Alliance lists both the Gates and Rockefeller Foundations in its roadmap showcasing activities that advance digital public goods along with other organizations and several governments. People-centered smart cities need accessible, secure, and fair digital public infrastructure that powers digital services and ensures everyone has equal opportunity to fully participate in civic life 
That is, sorry, that that is bad woke language when they're just trying to make you feel like we're on the side of people. It's people-centered. Right. Like, it's it's gotten to a point where they have to try to convince us that they like people. <laughs> they're definitely lizard people. Um, that's from the United Nations Building and Securing Digital Public Infrastructure Playbook from June 2022. Uh, the United Nations Playbook on Digital Public Infrastructure says that digital ID is foundational to DPI, stating... Broadly, there are three major types of protocols that facilitate digital public infrastructure, digital identity, digital payments, and data exchange. These three protocols are typically required for most digital service transactions, such as permitting, issuing licenses, or providing records that often require validating a user's identity, enabling exchange of data across agencies and users, and finally authorizing payments online. By prioritizing these three protocols, the UN says that local governments can set the stage for successful development of an entire ecosystem of digital services in alignment with their community's unique needs. The main thing that this makes me think is you shouldn't ever let them tell you what you need. Like, I don't go around needing digital payments that are tracked by the government. Like, I was um, trading silver with a friend recently. I um, was paid in silver for something is what I mean. I, I don't need the government to know about that. I I mean, I guess I just told them because the FBI listens to the show, but it, it wasn't <laughs> but necessary. But right, like, it doesn't need to be reported, right? right? You know what I mean? And and it's not like it needed to be digital. It's I don't think that most people would agree that we, quote unquote, need to get rid of cash. Like, oh, well, there's credit cards now. Yeah, there are credit cards, but don't you like being able to just give the boy in the neighborhood some cash to mow your lawn instead of having to report it and then he has to get taxed and just the government knowing at all about it right or even knowing what i'm buying what if i'm Mm -hmm. buying something embarrassing at the store and i don't want anyone to know why do i want that on my records yeah i've never needed to verify my identity online for anything i don't need a digital id yep and it's like when you don't grow up with people who really think much about this uh the surveillance state getting worse and worse i didn't grow up with my parents being like chris wade who is a former host on the show um and a friend of ours he's all about privacy he sells vpns for a living and um he i kind of asked him one time early on in the show when i was first doing the show and i was on an episode with him and captain i asked him why is it that you don't want the government to know like why wouldn't you want them to know your like what you're buying? Like just just what I didn't grow up thinking like this. So I asked such a simple question like that, and he said, "Well, for example, the government can use um, like if there was a murder in the like neighborhood you're in, they can like pull up Home Depot receipts and find people that have bought hammers that day, and literally will arrest people without due process for things like." buying something similar to what somebody might have been killed with, like in the uh, surrounding area of what they're yeah. in, in that day. I well, was like, they've I've done, never um, heard of that. Yeah, like you wouldn't think about that, right? right. But that's real. Um, or there was one murder where they were looking for a suspect for something. Um, so they used like Apple, like iPhone tracking, mm-hmm. or what, maybe all phone tracking, I don't know. Um, but they used that to see who was in the area right. of said crime. Well, even data is the thing that you're using to pay all these free online services. Right. So why, if it's profitable for somebody, should I be forced by the government to give it to them for free? I'm not a commodity of the government. I'm Mm. a human being. 
You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.